going to sure. say. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mars World Podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Lucien. He is a comedian on the London circuit. And to describe him fully, he is a Pognish. What's it called? Pierogi. Yeah, he is pierogi <laughs> with salt and vinegar and chips and ketchup in McDonald's. That sounds delicious, Marvin. Hello, Lucien. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello. I am fully boiled and fried and ready to talk to you today. <laughs> that sounds like a chat line on Grinder. <laughs> I think it would be a very good chat-up line on Grinder. If you like, want to go and you know, take them to your basement afterwards and keep them there locked for five years. Um, but important to add, I'm Polish, I'm not Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You add a bit more style to it. Yeah, we just killed them then and there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good good start. <laughs> ah, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, how have you been keeping? I mean, I've not really... Um, yeah, just tell us about yourself, Lucien. Well, I'll start with how I've been keeping. Um, I haven't been keeping anyone in my basement. Um, I've just been at home being a good boy. Um, haven't been doing many performances, um, you know, because that's sort of the way the industry's working at the moment. Um, I did actually do, for the first time um, since lockdown, a gig two weeks ago, Marvin. You'll like this. It was offered on uh, this Facebook group called The Comedy Collective. If you're a comedian in London, you know it. And we're invited to do this gig in a park in Queen's Park. Well, that is a park. Um, I turned up ready for like a really, really good audience. And I had my little sort of uh, microphone condom to put on as well. And they just said to me, um, okay, so we're going to perform by this tree here. Um, it was just four comedians and a host just performing for each other in a park. So in that sense, I haven't really had a comeback yet. I'm still staying at home. Really boring anecdote, but hey, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Mental health is important. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if you go to Speaker's Corners, there's a good audience there. And I think it would be funny to see someone say, ladies and gentlemen, you bastards, if you want to witness comedy like you never have seen before, if you want to see it now, you get right in there. Hey, you can go to Speaker's Corner. I guess you can, like, you know, if you've got a really big audience, you can go to, I don't know, Tesco on a weekend at like 3 p.m. You know, there might be like a thousand people there. You can then say, you can then say, oh, I did a gig in Tesco for a thousand people last week. You know, see how many one-liners you can get out before the security guards take you. Brilliant. But how was it? How is sort of, it's quite a thing now, like across the world, I've been meeting a lot of comedians. A lot of them are performing in gardens, parks, all sorts, even people's homes. Hmm. How does it differ to like being on stage and the Zoom gigs you've done? Well, because for me, if I could use the example of that park, you know, you're just performing for other people and, you know, the host didn't sort of go around and ask people to come and join because of obviously social distancing. It was just like being with your mates in a park um, without alcohol, um, just talking and performing for each other. Like it wasn't anything special. I don't think I got anything out of it. Um, I don't think it's given me that sort of, you know, sort of that lust to start performing again. Um, but you know, it's important to do. Um, I probably wouldn't perform in a park again unless it was like Hyde Park or Speaker's Corner, as you said. Um, but I do have an itch to get back on stage now. Let's just hope we don't have another lockdown coming. It's a bit, you know, a little bit... Um... The thing is, this is very early in the morning, just so people know this, right? Um, you can just be very, you know, sort of very subtle, you know, a little bit shy. I think girls like guys are a little bit shy, you know, a little bit broody. 
just use it for your branding, you know? Why not in your bio just go and put something like um, whatever? Um, maybe then all the girls will be, you know, fluttering their way towards you. To be honest, I'd love to see the reactions if someone put in a profile, I need a shit, and that's it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to say that. That's a little bit vulgar. Um, maybe like, I don't know, I need to F-U-C-K, maybe. Someone might like that. Just quick, instant um, delivery. Great. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Let's we've gone off topic here, but what's what's <laughs> how's how's then so how how did you get into comedy and what's your journey been and like what have been things that you like and dislike about comedy? And you don't so, have to reveal anything you don't want to. Oh I don't have to, all this stuff is public knowledge. Um so um originally um I used to do music. Um I was a singer songwriter. Um I started out very, very young. Uh, doing it um, very much bedroom DJ, very much online, doing everything myself. Um, I released um, I released two albums. I got to um, got, I got, got to do some really really good gigs and got to work abroad with it. And then it got to a point at the grand age of twenty one where you know there was no place for me in music. I was never the best singer. I didn't really enjoy it anymore. So I went okay, let's go back to university. Let's finish and then let's get a real job. Um, a few years later, I was thinking, well, I really want to get back onto stage. I'm really missing the performance aspect and the writing aspect. Uh, what can I do? Um, and in 2017, my mum bought me a Christmas present, which was a comedy course. So I did a weekend comedy workshop up in Paddington, London. Um, I did, um, you know, it was just a two-day workshop. Um, not at all to prepare you for the world of comedy. And then it was the case of, okay, what can I do now of this workshop? Um, we got to perform afterwards. Um, I guess go on the open mic circuit and let's just keep going. Um, and yeah, we're, we're three years later. Um, um, I'm, I'm doing more and more better gigs. Um, I've got a residency at the Two Brewers in Clapham where I do the weekly comedy show before lockdown. Um, getting more and more paid gigs. I'm doing my first um, ever Fringe show um, in Brighton next month, fingers crossed. So yeah, it's just going forwards and just, yeah, keeping the performer inside of me alive. Okay. And what have you found to be the sort of the best and worst things about doing comedy as opposed to music? Actually, no, two, two questions here. How do comedy and music differ and what have been the best and worst things about doing comedy? Okay, well, I think, you know, with music, if you're going to perform a song you've written, you can't sort of deviate away from the lyrics. You can't sort of change them um, or change the melody after you've uh, released it. That's stay the same, you know. Uh, you think, just like a prayer, your fox will take me there. Like, you know, Madonna can't go and change voice to fox, you know. Now the song's released. Not saying I'm like Madonna. When you're doing comedy, you have the opportunity to be more creative, to go and try things that don't work. Um, you get to go and deviate, you get to read an, uh, read an audience. Um, you can you can just change your set then and there. You know, you have a lot more creativity and freedom, which is something which I enjoy. Mm. Um, your second question, please, Marvin. I've already forgotten it. So what have been the best and worst things about doing comedy? And that is in terms of like doing gigs, the people in it, and how overall works from your experience. I think I think the worst aspect is when you um when you're um up for a gig and you are um, you're, you're there to go and you don't have a warm host you have someone who just doesn't care that you're there they're more interested with the venue or they're more interested with the um with the public you know sometimes you know when you're on a lineup 
and this is definitely the case in London, there are so many people, um, especially for the paid gigs, uh, trying to get on it. Therefore, often promoters don't really care about your well, well-being. Yeah, sit wherever, what's your name? They'll get your name wrong. They just want to go and they just don't care when you arrive. And for me, you know, I'm a collaborative person. Um, I love working with people. So for me, I'd say that's the worst when people don't really care about you. You want to, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a big grand diva, but I do like to have some respect because you won't believe how many times people get my name wrong. And as the diva I am, I do get a little bit offended when you call me Lucian, because that's not my name. Uh, <laughs> um, and the best part is it's, it's performing again. It's having that banter with an audience. Um, be able to make sure, you know, sort of someone's come to your show and well, a show you're doing and they're going to leave feeling happier. You know, it's, it, it, it's escapism as much for the performers as it is for the um, audience. Okay, so the best things are when it goes well, and the worst thing is when you feel you have to dig up someone else's shit on stage. The best thing is when it goes well, and the worst thing is when it goes bad. <laughs> Clear and concise. And no one Absolutely. needs to talk about when, when you went to my night. You... <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I've done my night a few times, Marvin, and I had so much fun the first time. I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure you remember it. It was Gabby Killick, amazing comedian. It was her first ever hosting uh, job. And it was with you at Instant Laughs in Hammersmith. Um, and I had so much fun. But one thing I always do, because I'm a little bit of a social media whore, I always give my phone to an audience member and say, do you mind taking a few photos of me? Thank you very much. And go on stage. At that specific Instant Laughs gig, the person didn't take any pictures. I was not irate, but a little bit like, bitch um so um after we finished performing um you were about to go and bring down the pull-up banners and i went no hold it for a second and i think i gave you my camera and went take a few photos and then i went to the stage again in front of the pull-up banner got a microphone and did some poses and you took pictures for me and then a few minutes later yeah posted it on social media had a great gig at instant laughs no one had to know it was a fun night i've never told anyone that anecdote may never do again well, I'll tell, tell you one thing that would be, oh, what was a thought came into my head when you said that? Um, yeah, it's a good chat line that actually, when you just say, when if you're going to gigs and you see someone that you like, whoever you are, say, oh, hello, sweetheart, can you take a picture for me? Or you say, hello, husky man, could you take a picture for me? Yeah, or actually don't take a picture, put your number in, yeah, or what's your Instagram, actually can you do a pony, actually post it, or sign into your DMs later, um, that's you, that's I wouldn't, that's, that's too, that's not, that's not, that's not crafty or like style, styleful enough, that's too, or oh, they're the bish bosh, it's sleazy, it has to have a bit of style, like I think ask them to take a picture is fine, and then you can start a conversation. And then there. Yeah, but actually thinking about this, um, I have met many people who have um, looked after my phone for a few minutes of my life. Um, and have you met Vic Slayton? Vic Slayton. Well, Vic Slayton. Vic Slayton. Okay. I mean, she's an up and comer um, on the London comedy circuit. She does an amazing night in Limehouse, where I'm hopefully going to be performing at the end of October. Um, the first time I ever met her was a gig in Islington. And yeah, I just gave her my phone, as I always do. And it turned out it was her first ever gig. And she's now absolutely killing it. And we're still really good friends, just after I gave her my phone. 
So yeah, it's a good thing. It's not just a chat up line. It's just a, a way to break the ice and meet people maybe. So why not after this, Marvin, go back to that imaginary Tesco and just give people your phone. Just take a picture of you and maybe you can get some dates, make some connections. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm much sure at the moment, I'm much rather get stuff done and get good with things and then sort of focus on <laughs> spreading things to the next generation later. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wait and see how desperate you get. Then we can reevaluate the plan. That's true. Now you're sounding like my bloody psychologist here, like a dating coach. It, this is what it is. So essentially your parents called me and uh, they couldn't afford um, psychology therapy for your birthday. And they got me along just to talk to you. So how does, and how does that make you feel, Marvin? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's quite funny. Um, I said, I remember a while ago when I was younger, I asked my mum for dating advice and she said, um, I'll draw a girl for you. <laughs> oh, mummy porn. Uh, my mum, no, it was, a, but anyway, look, it, it's, it's, What's it called? What's the bit I want to get to? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's funny with a lot of um, dating agencies or whatever, they really do sell a lot of people a false, a false dream of things. Okay. Well, come on, you see it in the news and all that and like they post all these articles and like you see on YouTube about them doing Well, why this. don't you tell me and your audience, Marvin, what these articles are about? Because I don't know this. So you I can only know. go, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, come on. You, did you read the, the book The Game in 2005 or whatever? It was a I book. The Game. Okay, it's with Neil Strauss, and it's basically about these guys who don't have any success with women, and then they join the secret society of guys that go meeting women, and then boom, boom, boom. And there's, there's like, there are set agencies that in the UK and America where they claim to help guys or women, like, like women it's find the right guy or guys how to have 50 women in one night sort of stuff and it's so desperate people yeah they feed on desperate people and they feed on them and they give them a false hope with different things and they try and make things quite generic and yeah i think more often than not they fail and it's just just they just want to make yeah exactly playing on someone's need well, that's how business works. Every, every business in the world preys on people's needs. If you're hungry, you go back to that imaginary Tesco's. You know, if you're thirsty, you go to the pub. And if you want to um, have sex with someone, you read a book and still tell people about it 15 years later. Um, these, this is how it works. No, but I meant like, it's not, it's not like, it, there's a way you do it in like, you actually give value rather than giving them bullshit and then taking their money. Because that's, well, I will give you the best dating advice in the world, Marvin McCarthy. Okay, are you ready for this? All right. If you want to get off of someone, get as drunk as they are, and then you can do whatever. Okay. <laughs> because the drunker you are, the drunker they are, it just doesn't really matter anymore, you know. As long as there is some sort of level of consent, so don't be like too much over the, you know, 100% of absolute pissness. Just get drunk and, you know, have fun. Do it. You might not remember it, but at least you had sex. That sounds so wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's, it's just it's just the thing that I came across. I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, that is true of business, but I'm saying you, you actually got to give something in return. Yeah, usually a penis. Oh, God. We're not going Harvey Weinstein, Lucy, and stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
And so what, what do you see happening to comedy after COVID? Well, I think, you know, we are in that age, look, we are in that digital age now. Uh, we have been for a few years, but really what COVID has done is really confirm it, especially with the younger generation. You know, people are now, you know, they have so much choice for entertainment. You have Netflix, you have Amazon Prime, you have Now TV, all that stuff, right? Um, I am a little bit scared that now a younger audience is going to think, well, why should we go to a bar and spend a fiver on a pint of beer? In London, it's like a fiver, for anyone not from London. Um, when we can stay at home, watch Netflix special with the best quality entertainment or uh, comedy performances and have a can. You know, I'm a little bit scared after lockdown and COVID is over, um, there's going to be a new sort of shift in society where people aren't just going to go out and they're going to stay at home. Um, that's the one thing I'm more concerned about. Um, I think for myself as a comedian and writer, I am not digital, okay? I am, I'm a stage performer. Um, I have tried to do a few digital things, but it's, 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 just, it's just not me, you know? At the end of the day, I'm in my 30s, you know, sort of, um, I don't think it really works. Um, I, I, I could do some little TikTok things, but who's really gonna care? And just to say, TikTok is all the same, there's nothing unique. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a little bit scared about the new generation, but as I said, we just have to hope it's all gonna resolve and people are gonna come to my show and pay money to hear the jokes I'm not gonna say online. <gasps> Well, well, what the thing is, do you know Nigel N? Like he's he's completely sort of he's in a position now where he can just because he's built an online following through Uncle Roger, he he he's in a comfortable position where he's he's in, he's comfortable for the rest of his life. He's I amazing. know who you mean. Hello, my niece and nephews. Yes, I have seen him. I don't know his real name. I'm not involved in him, but yeah. But yeah, he he's he's set for life. Because he's, he, he, he's going to keep growing the fan base and it's going to keep growing. And whatever happens, he's, he's, he's safe and comfortable. Yeah, but, but that's he, what they say for years. You know, it's sort of Mike Tyson, oh, he earned $10 million doing one fight in 1992. And then he was bankrupt by the end of the decade. You know, I hope Uncle Roger just makes sure he does invest his money well. Um, you know, um, 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 I don't know. Um, <laughs> It all springs around about, again, society's going to shift, right? You know, today's Uncle Roger is tomorrow's Auntie Jemima. Um, who knows? How's that water? Marvin's drinking a water. It's good. But it, it's, mm. yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's, it's funny. There's been a lot of things going on in comedy in terms of, like, like Darius Davies is a professional comedian, but he had a bit of his borrowed or used by someone that's on TV. Yes. Obviously, I uh, did see this. Um, do you want to go and tell the story and I will um, butt in with my inappropriate comments? Well, okay, everyone back home, what happened was, well, Darius is a pro comedian. He's got this bit on fridges and then another comedian went and did his bit on ITV, which are very similar, but I mean, you would have, because they're so similar, I think 89% of you thinks it's stolen. Because it's so similar. Because, Marvin, it was stolen. Even the <laughs> copy was the same, you know. Um, and it, it was really funny, but like, so uh, what Darius did, he put it on uh, YouTube and sort of um, intercut his different um, evolutions of this um, gag um, alongside the guy who did Jonathan Ross, who will name anonymous. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, when the guy and Jonathan Ross deviated away from the original joke um, format, it just wasn't as funny. 
And I think that was pretty much the worst thing in my eyes. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, sort of, I think, you know, when it sort of does come to comedy, things you can hear can inspire you. Um, but not when the copy is pretty much the same thing. Um, and there's actually uh, timestamps of when you're performing at the same venues and when you did the joke. Um, it's a bit awkward, really, isn't it? Yeah. But that's what I feel. I think the main thing in anything is that you build your own audience. Because then if you have that, then nothing can be taken from you. Absolutely. Mm. What was, what's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Nothing's going on. Sorry, just, I, I, I just had someone posting a letter. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, back to um, copying material. So do you know, um, this is such like, um, do you know name dropping? Do you know Trevor Bickles? Yeah. Very good comedian on the circuit. So it transpires we have the same joke about ourselves. So we both call each other the love child of Claire Balding and Boris Johnson, right? We both use this joke about ourselves. Then we sort of deviate it in our own unique ways because he's a 40-something taxi driver and I'm Lucy and Jack. Um, and I, 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 I've talked to him about it. We can't decide he came up with it first, but the realisation is they're quite two easy public figures to put side by side for comedic effect. Um, we just embrace it now. But one day, if he ever goes to Jonathan Ross and uses that joke, I will make a similar video. I, will, I have all the timestamps and I'm going to take him down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you take it all a different way, which makes it your own. So whatever happens, it's both your versions of the joke well versions of it's a, it's a similar sort of premise but it's a different way yeah man i've got to go and tell you my best london accent about my fridge i can't do a london accent yeah i i, I at least won't be doing that material anytime soon <laughs> do you like my london accent marvin i'm so bad at it i can't do it it sounded a bit like an old pensioner to be honest who's white <laughs> i'm a little bit like an old pensioner yeah i guess so <laughs> I feel quite old now. <laughs> your, your, your house guest doesn't need to be shy. They can say hello. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Um, what's it called? And what, who, who are your favourite comedians? What sort of comic styles sort of, you go, yo, yeah, that is some good sort of uh, McDonald's Big Mac. Do you know, it's, it's a real generalisation, um, but I've always liked uh, female comedians. There's always something about them or just feminine energy on stage I just find hilarious. I've always been that way. Um, you know, so I love all these sort of the 80s greats, like, you know, sort of Ruby Wax and Tracy Ullman and um, Victoria Woods, sort of those sort of strong women who just, you know, feel like there's something they have to go and say against the pretty much heteronormative um, male comedy landscape. So I, I would definitely say people like that. Okay. And, um, but which comedians like Lee, uh, Sarah Silverman, um, Catherine Ryan? Well, it's, it's, it's always British comedy. British comedy is the thing which always speaks to me. Um, I find with American comedy, um, it can often be quite contrived. Um, so I've, I've never really been a big fan of American comedians, really. Um, I'm always not more homegrown. I love British comedy. And that's all I'll see. That's all I like. Now, obviously, I appreciate people like Sarah Silverman and um, Aubrey Plaza, people like that. 
you know, they are, they are great performers. Uh, but British comedy, all for me, British comedy any day of the week. Okay. And what is some sort of com comedic hacks that you don't like? Or comedy sort of... Well, I don't ever like being negative, Marvin, because like negativity is not really worthwhile in the world. <laughs> Only joking. Love negativity. Um, negative hacks. Um, you know, again, it is it is the people who are heteronormative, and they come like so. Um, um, I did actually another gig last week. I completely forgot about it. It just wasn't worthwhile. I wanted to tell you the story about the tree. Um, I performed in Ealing. And there was a girl who came on stage and um, she started talking about um, um, anal sex. <gasps> and it was just talking about like, my boyfriend like it. Oh, guy, do your boyfriend, um, like, hi, women, do your boyfriends like it? And I was thinking, well, at the end of the day, you know, it's not just, um, it's, not, it's, it's not the straight women you should be talking to. And that really annoyed me. Um, it's just people who, yeah, who just generalize and um, just rely on their, sexuality i hate that okay. so if, if if so if if a woman went on stage and said hello guys oh ooh, ooh. or if a man sort of said oh i got a six pack let me tell you guys oh look at this boom yeah it gives me absolute nightmares yeah, just like a woman who comes on stage and is like, Hi, fellas. Like, I hope you guys don't fancy me so much. I'm like an innocent girl. No, I hate that. Yeah, you know, so don't be so sort of, just do not expect everyone's sexuality in an audience. I'd say that much. Yeah. Okay. But if, if a bloke that was big and was a fireman and he talked in a big husky voice, he's like, Oh, there, lads. If that's who he is, that's completely fine, because that's who he is, that's his branding. I'm so, so fine with that. It's just when you go and assume the sexuality um, or, the, um, or, or the genders of your audience, that's what I don't like. Okay. And yeah. What's it called? Um, yeah. I'm very woke, don't you know? I didn't know, man. Uh, I, I mean, it's, you can't see it from your demeanour, your face. <laughs> you, you can't tell, really, can you? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a thing. So um, during lockdown, I did a few um, online gigs in America. And they do look at it very differently to us. So Marvin, how many times as a comedy promoter, or have you asked anyone yourself, um, what pronouns do you go by? I don't often ask that. Yeah, we don't ask this in the UK. In America, it's absolute standard now. You need to ask your performers um, um, what pronouns do you go by. And I, I think that's really, really nice. Um, I haven't done it yet, but at least maybe America's a little bit more evolved and woke than we are. Well, I'll tell you what, unless it's, unless it's I hope it's not anything sort of weird or, or whatever is weird or racist. Because I remember at the comedy store, Gongsha, there was this <laughs> black comedian and he called himself Asian Fetish. And all he did was Asian jokes about people that look like me. No. But he, that's what he said. So if someone says something like that, I mean, it's a bit like, what? <laughs> I don't know if that's the funniest, most offensive thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but how, how did that make you feel? Back to the therapy thing. How did that make you feel as a, a British Asian man? Um, now you're trying to shift the conversation. <laughs> I cool. know, because I thought about something else I want to add afterwards. But back to you no, about no, no. this, it's about Asian fetish. It's cool. Yeah. Um, 
so my thoughts are I have received a lot of racism over the years and sort of it's sort of yeah it don't don't let things offend you and don't like what's it called Jeremy Lin who was a basketball player he did this mm. video on like where he used to get a lot of racism but he didn't like he used to react negatively for it and he had his coach say when you're doing that you're feeling them was if you don't do that then you're not so the point I'm getting at is yeah I'm don't get offended by it like try and like um don't let things offend you because that's what it is it's just a cheap shot to try and get you down and a lot of nasty things are either caused by ignorance uh, anger or yeah, ignorance anger or insecurity yeah and so the point i'm getting at that i didn't i just thought he was an idiot and that was it and he's obviously not aware of things but on the other hand as well when I find like minority groups being racist to each other, that really is really doesn't make any sense to me, and I think it's one of the most stupid things in the world. Because in America, mm. you have this thing where black and Spanish gangs are killing each other, but the thing is, yeah. you're both minorities. So what's the where's the where's the sense there? Well, it's always going to be a, a revolution in the sense between, well, not a revolution, but it's always going to be the arguments between the people who really need to go and stick together. There's always, I think in, in many sort of parts of society, it's always that infighting that is always going to prevent anything growing and getting better. Um, you know, obviously you're talking about the ethnic minority groups. For me, it's the LGBT groups. You know, they're always fighting each other and trying to find ways to bring down their peers. Um, for example, you know, sort of there's a case of um, a, um, a drag queen uh, who I know in London who did a tweet 10 years ago, which was, um, which was slightly homophobic. And when it came out, everyone started sharing this one tweet they did when they were like 14 years old. And it's all brought, down, um, it's all brought the end of their career. And I just hate that, you know, sort of people change, people can make mistakes in the past. Just don't go, don't go and attack your peers, attack those who really are trying to make a, um, uh, make a problem with you. Yeah, it's, 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 what's it called? My dad says that people bully their own a lot of the times. And yeah, I couldn't think of the term either. <laughs> Revolution, uh, I can't think. And it's it's a funny thing, isn't it, when that happens? Because it's a bit... Have you seen Boys in the Hood? I have not seen Boys in the Hood. It is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And I watched it during lockdown. And I didn't... It actually came to me because a comedian who I know, Dominic LTR, did a joke about oh, yeah. it. And like, um, like, like Forrest Gump joining the Crips in Boys in the Hood or something. I thought, okay, I'll have a look, look at it during lockdown. And then, like... I thought it wasn't going to be that good, but it's quite a profound film with a lot of meaning, a lot of ideas in it, and it's still relevant today in a lot of poor communities. Okay, check it out. With uh, fewer stars, who's the fuck? I don't want to reveal too much because you won't enjoy the film, but um, <laughs> he talks to a, to a group of sort of in, in the rough area in Compton, and he says, why is there a liquor store or a gun shop around every corner? And they say it's like that because they want us to kill each other. Yeah. If you see in Beverly Hills, there's none of that stuff. So the thing is, yeah, if if he gets people to if you get people to fight within each within themselves, then it stops change per se. And maybe also in a bigger context, actually, I will not say that. I'm not going to go further than that because I think yeah, don't 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 give away the whole story, you know. Yeah.
It's interfighting. It's something like that, interfighting. I need, I, I need another coffee, then I'll be able to tell you what it is. Even when I host, people don't seem to want to heckle me. I think maybe I'm come, I come across as, as a little bit intimidating. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, I, so when you do comedy and when you want to uh, promote yourself, um, it's very important to have a tight five, which in comedy terms just means a five minutes where you can come and perform it. It's going to go well. It's your best material. Um, and I got it filmed at um, the old Funny Feckers um, location at the Constitution in Camden. And I was ready to go and do my type five, it to be professionally filmed uh, for me to go and use. And I went on stage and immediately there was, there was this drunk French woman who was like, Oh, tu Lucien, tu es Francais? Which means, oh, oh, your name is Lucien, I'm French. I was trying to get through my type five and I was just trying to ignore her saying, okay, this is for the cameras, this is for the microphone, concentrate on my performance, get through my punchlines and the gaps and stuff. And she just kept it getting worse and worse and worse. And if you go to my YouTube, which is Last of Lulu, you'll see my type five and you'll hear me just go and say to that French woman, no, I'm not French, shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the worst time I've ever been heckled. And that's a video I still send around to get gigs. <laughs> yeah, and, but you've not had anyone else say like, you, you pansy, or like, you, no one say, oi, you're it, son, you want to fucking start, you stupid little bloody... Marvin, are you asking me if I have ever faced, uh, faced any um, homo, um, what do you call it? Homo, not erotic, homo... I can't think of a word. I'm too tired today. Um, any homophobic, that's the term. Let's cut that and keep going. Are you asking me, Lucian, have you ever faced any homophobic uh, comments on the London comedy circuit? Never. And you know what? If I did, I wouldn't care. First of all, come, come for me. I could, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Second of all, you, you know people. Um, we are in 2020. You know, people are a lot more woke, a lot more devolves. Um, at the end of the day, no, no one's ever come for me. And, they shouldn't. Good. And if you come, and if you ever come to my show and you expect to, yeah, and you're homophobic, go go see someone else. Go see Catherine Ryan. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, like I said before, when someone's you so, and you said it wouldn't bother you because you've had a lot of insults before and you've gotten sort of accustomed to it, and then you people don't normally insult me because I think I think it's very true actually with lots of performers when you perform and when you're used to making yourself the brunt of the joke in front of a um, live audience, um, you, sort of, you sort of become impenetrable, um, I think. Um, no, I've never been offended. I've never been insulted. Um, I just concentrate on things like getting my pronouns right and not trying to take things like that seriously. Yeah. Mm. And what have been some of your best sort of what has comedy given you? And why, why should people give stand-up comedy go? <clears throat> well, for me, just comedy gave me an, an excuse to perform again. You know, um, it's, 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 that, it's that creative um, instinct, you know, being able to, uh, to go and write, come up with something and then presenting it to an audience. It's like when you're at school, you come up with like a presentation, you come and present it to class. It's just having that creativity in your life and an opportunity to make people smile. You know, in, in this world, especially during lockdown and COVID, uh, there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, and I feel, I feel like I'm really, really preaching now, but this is how I feel, so 
<laughs> um, you have an opportunity just to make people laugh and forget about their lives. And that's just a really wonderful thing. And that's why I love doing comedy and why I hope to be doing it for a few more years. The point is, what advice would you give to someone looking to get into stand-up? What advice? Um, do it. If you want to get into stand-up, just do it. Just try, you know. It's not serious. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You're not trying to cure cancer. You're doing it for you. So just, just write some material. Take it down to, well, after COVID finishes, take it down to your local pub if they have a comedy night. And just perform. Bring along some friends. Have a drink. Just have fun. Just have fun. Just try it. Um, one, one thing that I want to ask is, what life advice would you give to your younger self? What advice would I give to my younger self? Ah, it's like in RuPaul's Drag Race, if you've ever watched it. At the end of every series, they always ask drag queens, what advice would you give to a young Marvin? They hold up a photo and it's very emotional. Luckily for you, I'm British-Polish. I never get emotional. Um, that's not true. I'm a very sensitive person. What advice would I give to myself? It's such a hard question. Um, just be true to you. I know it sounds so cliche, but just, just make sure you know yourself and never grow up and have as much fun as you can. Okay. And what... What... What have you learned during your life that you would like to impart? Never take yourself too seriously. Nothing really matters. Um, at the end of the day, we only have one life, so let's just have fun. You know, I, I think I think we need to be more, you know, sort of um, hedonistic and just 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 have a party and not worry about the consequences. You know, unless it's like, you know, sort of going out to a rave and covering people's faces. Maybe let's not do this in the month of September 2020. Um, but just have more fun, I'd say. Okay. And what, <clears throat> what is a quote that you'd like to live your life by? Um, what quote would I like to um, live my life by? Um, I'd probably say, uh, we are the cheeky girls, we are the cheeky girls, you are the cheeky boys, you are the cheeky girls, we are the cheeky girls, we are the cheeky girls, you are the cheeky boys, you are, you are the... I messed that one up, didn't I? What <laughs> quote, okay, cut, what quote was I lived my life by? Yeah, just anything by the cheeky girls, I'm a really, really big fan. <laughs> okay, cool, no worries. Um, well... Thank you for appearing on the podcast. Um, My pleasure. It's my show, right. Paul. Right, um, mate? Yeah. I'll do this voice if you like me to do it, Marvin. Yeah, why not? Keep going then, son. <laughs> right, son. Uh, no, I always say this, right? All the birds watching, yeah? If you want to get in touch with me, make sure you go to my Instagram account, which is at last of Lulu. Um, you can find me on Bumble as well. I'm the guy who always start, tries to slide into your DMs. Um, and yeah, otherwise, um, I'll see you guys out there. I'll be in Tesco performing. And probably to the thousand people there on the Saturday at three o'clock. So yeah, thanks so much, mate. Really, really good talking to you. I'm not, easy, <laughs> I'm not northern. I'm from the Midlands. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what's it called? Thank you for appearing on the podcast. And all I want to say is, yeah, enjoy the rest of your your day, life. <laughs> While we you. still have it. <laughs> Of course, I'll, and I'll see you. I'll see you probably soon.